In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode 129, Torn. Natalie and Brulio. Yeah. This is straight from the 90s. Keeping you know, with our theme. Keeping with our theme of 90s songs. And before we started recording, you did mention to me that as soon as you heard this recently, mm-hmm. you're like, A, that has to be our theme, but B, it brought you right back to wherever you were when you listened to it. Can yeah. you share where you were when you were listening to it? Like. Age-wise, oh, like yeah. what kinds of, yes. yeah. I remember specifically that I was always listening to it in my car. Mm-hmm. Like I, for some reason, this track spoke to me. Interesting. And I felt like I was, I have a distinct memory of always being in my car, like driving around and being mm. like, she gets me. <laughs> <laughs> I am torn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. So were you like high school? Were you yes. college? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that seems right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of like singer songwriters around that time. It was very easy to glom on to me, like she gets me. She gets, she me. gets the turmoil and she the pain, and she wrote it into a song I can <laughs> sing with in the car at the top of my lungs without abandon. Yeah, I also um, mentioned she had a very sort of um, particular late '90s haircut. She did in yeah. her video, which I feel like the video was sort of a rip off of. Um, uh, stay from Lisa Loeb. Yes. It was very similar, right? Very similar. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which very again, similar. another singer songwriter that also felt right to the, right to the heart of you. Hit right in there. Yeah. 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 So why did you choose Torn besides it bringing you back right away? What does this theme mean to you? Well, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of explore either being torn between t- two things, but more mm-hmm. like as a person, like, yeah. Either someone's not who you thought they were, so you're torn between which person is real Mm -hmm. or, you know, just that kind of struggle we all have when we discover something new about someone that maybe doesn't track what we thought. I love exploring that idea of like finding out someone isn't who they pretended to be. Right? I mean, that's a great fictional trope anyway. It is. And nonfiction. And and real life. life. Yes. It works everywhere. Oh, man. Equal opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Erin, I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking about like maybe being able to judge a person's character. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's possible to be a good judge of character? No. Why? No. Because we wouldn't have sociopaths if we were good (laughs) judges of character. I mean,. We, I think we see what we want to see at the times we want to see it because it serves us some other way. So I don't, I think it's this false idea that we've created that we can tell right away. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you can't get a bad feeling or have instincts or things like that. Not saying that. I'm just saying that to be a, to me, to proclaim to be a really good judge of character is just an odd thing. 
I don't know anyone who's a really good judge of someone else's character until they really get to know them because we all have too many contradictions. It feels like they're not acknowledging how good people can be at pretending to. Yes. Whether they're trying to pretend or whether it's just something natural to them just to live in the world. Humans are ever-involving beings. So we are getting better and better at being bullshit artists. Yeah. And And because our society expects certain things of people, you get to be a bullshit artist. Yes. Yeah. You you learn to say what you're supposed to say and do what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is why when people ask, did you not know there's a serial killer next door? I'd be like, he seemed nice. He seemed quiet. He seemed fine. He seemed chill. Yeah. He posted cool photos on Instagram of birds. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm right. Right. Like, you just don't know. Yeah. They proclaim this great life. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't think that anyone really is. I don't think you can be until you really, really get to know someone. Like, Mm -hmm. I I know people that I really care about, that I love, that I know really well. I know their character. Yeah, But that's, I'm not a good judge of character in that I wouldn't have necessarily known the inner depths of that when I first met that person. No, no. I think that takes time. You can't be an instantaneous judge of character. Yeah, I think you could probably get a gut feeling about somebody. Yes, and I fully believe in gut feelings and instincts and, and, you know, I kind of made a joke about sociopaths, but I think people do, some people do get feelings like that. I don't know yeah. what it is, but mm-hmm. that guy's off for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, this idea that, you know, it's kind of like the idea of the human lie detector test. Like that's not yeah. a thing. You can't tell. And people are people and they're yeah. going to be dishonest and, yes. and or in other cases are going to be honest and you might not believe them because, you know, it just doesn't fit with what your own life experiences have taught mm-hmm. you. It feels like gut feelings like come from our like primal animal nature. Yes. It's like it's something built in mm-hmm. from when we were animals and we had to learn when to run and flee and all that kind yes, of stuff. Absolutely. And everything else has evolved with all of our like, you know, creation of society mm-hmm. and everything. So no wonder we're bad at it. Well, and I think kind of what you're saying too, it's, it's a very fight or flight response. Yeah. And I think that, that isn't always a judge of character. It's no. more a comment on maybe what's happened to you or yes. your own past. Because yeah. like, there are times that I have definitely felt uneasy and mm-hmm. removed myself from situations. But when I look back, I can't say for certain that it was yeah. that person was going right. to do anything. Or if it was just me and my reaction. Right, right. right. for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So if we think about that being a good judge of character, yeah. not a good judge of character, mm-hmm. have you ever found something out about someone and thought, you know what? Yeah, actually that tracks. Yeah, that matches. I say, let us look to our most recent example of just egregious liar, liar, pants on fire, Mm. which is George Santos. Let's think about George Santos for a moment. (laughs) Let's. So can I think about the Bowen Yang? Yes, Santos. I'm thinking of him too. Okay. He just seems, you know, he's kind of a smarmy kind of guy. Just yeah. kind of, uh. I never expected the lengths to which the lies came. But as soon as they came out and I looked back at him, I was like, yeah, I guess that tracks. Yeah. Just look at him. Yeah. Look at him and look at the way he conducts himself. Look at the way he's apologizing without apologizing. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That's not to say I predicted any of this. No, not no, at all. But it does. But yeah. once this is coming out and as the lies get weirder and weirder Weird. and weirder Weird. each time it just makes me laugh and it's also like yeah i guess that tracks too yeah. why not just why add not? it on why just not? add it on i really really love the comment about the holocaust <laughs> on saturday night live when he said look marjorie taylor green believes that the holocaust never happened i'm just saying it happened to me twice <laughs> because he claimed that, like his mother died multiple yeah, in multiple yeah, different yeah. tragedies yeah. and i was like when you put it like that it's actually kind of funny and didn't he also say like i'm jew ish yes so that's a whole thing it's yeah. like, oh buddy yeah there's just no line you won't cross no i also saw a weird like i don't even know if this was real but it kind of felt real yeah. the thing about like how he was stealing mo- diverting money from a crowned like fundraiser yes. for not just a sick dog, but like a disabled veterans, you know, yes. like it just kept adding on. And it each got time worse it and worse. added, I was like, yeah, that tracks, that, that tracks. tracks that oh tracks. boy, that tracks. The dog died. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert, everyone. <laughs> he did not help the dog. <laughs> he did not help the, the dog. The veteran has been he all over the, the news. He took the money. Yeah, he took the money. From the sick, disabled veteran dog. To get those cool half zips he wears to, yeah, under his blazers. Absolutely. So much clothing. So much. When I look at him, I think, aren't you hot? You Take off the sweating. layer. And maybe that's his strategy, is that, that, and that he's so nervous and he's lying so much, he's yeah. sweating. But uh-huh. it makes sense to people because he has so many layers on. Oh my gosh, yeah. 
He's like, I got to cover up my pits at all costs because yeah, because <laughs> they're I telltale pits. Yeah, telltale everything. Like when they start asking me about how my mom died in the Holocaust and nine eleven. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Maybe it was his grandma in the Holocaust. Either way, but, either way. Yeah. yeah. You know, so far, though, he hasn't gone the Rudy Giuliani route of like the instant lie detector with like the, no, the die down the his face. So he's a better liar. Face. He's a better liar. That's true. Than Giuliani. That's true. That's true. So at least I respect I'll give him that. that. Yeah. yeah. He's a little bit more easy to look at than Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean is. that in an attractive way. I just mean in a like, I, I don't feel like I'm going to throw up in my exactly. mouth. He's not yeah. as repugnant. Right. Yeah. Viscerally Yeah, viscerally, I see Rudy Giuliani and yeah. I feel like, oh, yeah. And now it's a little, you know, I love Bo and Yang as him, but I find Bo and Yang attractive. So now I'm just like, ah, yeah, I don't want to see you as a gross person. But, I know. you know, he's so good. You're at doing it well. Though. You're yeah, doing so it. Good. Well. It's kind of like Kate McKinnon playing all the characters oh, she played. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe There's... Bo and Yang will just start playing all of them. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's a terrific idea. So, you know, we're talking about like people not being who they seem to be mm-hmm. or pretending to be something. Um, you know, I think that often comes with a conversation of red flags. We talked mm-hmm. a little bit about red flags, mm-hmm. instincts and stuff. What do you think? I feel like sometimes, and we talked about this last time, actually, about how society doesn't prepare us all the time for the people we should have red flags for, mm-hmm. that sometimes society perpetuates things and makes it harder to recognize yes. uh, red flags. What uh, What do you think about that? What stereotypes do you think it's it's harder to recognize because of the way society operates? Well, one, I think we've discussed a lot on mm-hmm. the show. Well, we've actually discussed two examples that I thought of a lot on the show. But the the first one is like this this Prince Charming syndrome. Oh, like yeah. This, this guy that's going above and beyond and buying you these things and bringing yeah. You flowers and doing all these crazy spoiler things. alert. Yeah, that's that's actually a red flag. That's like you're good. trying too hard Mm-mm. out of the gate. Mm-mm. Like that's not that should make your spidey senses tingle, yes. not be like, oh, this is great. Yes. But society and everything we're taught would tell you, like, oh, what a guy. What a guy. I think we're moving away from that a little bit. I think with with the passion and love that America has embraced true crime, I think yeah. there's starting to be this sort of shift in understanding what you know, like a facade looks yes, like. Yeah. But I still think point. we're still like teaching young girls that for this sure is, you that you're one day your prince will come this way and he yeah. will treat you like a princess, mm-hmm. which apparently in very popular romances means watching you while you sleep and stalking you in every way possible. And kissing you when you're unconscious. And kissing you when you're unconscious. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a primary thing. So get ready to be unconscious, girls. That's when you'll find true love. Also, leaving you alone with seven men. They're tiny, <laughs> but still, that doesn't seem real protective. No, no. Yeah. The other one I think that makes it hard is, it, and I guess I, maybe I mean this as social media in general, but like the Instagram moms. Like there's yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this thing, like we ignore red flags even when we should know like that can't be true or that can't mm-hmm. be right or you can't be living that life. And we sort of ignore that. Because we're so sure that we're failing at something yeah. that we're willing to think that everybody else is achieving things we aren't. When in reality, those are the people that usually shit's bad. Shit's bad. And they are clinging tight to an image yeah. because that's the only thing they got. That's the only thing they got. Only thing. Yeah. And I am suspect of anyone that has great Instagram photos of their children doing things <laughs> because... <laughs> That's not the way it works. No. Your kids do things and you always get the picture right after or it's blurry or they yeah. move or uh-huh. then you realize that the other kid is picking his nose and like there's always something. It's never like these these photos that you see that are like so perfect and they look like they're having the best time. Like that was multiple sh- takes. That was staged, baby. Staged, which means they're not having fun. No. They're not having fun. No, they are hating their mom right now. Hating it. The image, you know, like we were saying, like, uh, it's easy to get taken in by the image. Yes. And I think social media has perpetuated that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's dumbed our sense to red flags to a little oh, bit that's, because yeah, that's we point. see it all the time. Yeah. And then we're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that's normal. Right. Like, that's how it's supposed to be. That we'll trust the image more than what we're actually seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we won't examine it any further because it seems good. Yeah. And that also kind of made me think about this idea that we use the word guarded. Yeah. 
a lot. And it, especially in like pop culture literature, it's used as like a bad thing. Like if you're a guarded person, then the movie trajectory is going to be at the end. You're going to be vulnerable and oh open. Oh my God. And it's true love. Yeah. Does that hold up in real life? No. I I will admit I am hella guarded. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like I had this huge wall around me and there's like guard towers and there's like secret passwords and there's like a troll that's giving you riddles that you can't, you have to answer before yes. you get closer. Yes. And, you know, granted, I've probably lost a lot of things due to being, you know, guarded in that way. But I think, A, there are reasons for being guarded. Mm -hmm. One is missing a lot of red flags in the past. Mm -hmm. And so now overcompensating in order to make sure Mm -hmm. that I don't miss red flags again, Mm -hmm. you know. And then B, if you stick with the troll giving you riddles and you answer them and and you stick with the the passage and you, you find me behind it, you know, you're in. Yeah. You're not getting away. Right. We're going to be friends forever. That's what I don't like about the word guarded because you're yeah. acting like I shouldn't be guarded with my right. innermost thoughts and yes. vulnerability in my heart. Like, shouldn't that be the shit I do yes. guard until yes. I get to know you better? Yeah. Like, I find it to be a red flag when someone is willing to just tell you every deep, dark thing immediately. Yeah. I'm, like, I don't, don't want to know what this. What are you doing? Yeah. I can't take on this. So if we don't have that relationship... <laughs> I, but th- somehow it's gotten flip flopped. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's a good that. Yeah, vulnerability is an excellent thing. Mm-hmm. However, I think we still have to guard who we are vulnerable with. Yes, you know, I think those can coexist. I think they have to coexist. We wouldn't have the emotional damage we have in this world yeah. if people were guarded. Yes, if they were allowed themselves the time to figure out whether this is a smart decision or not. Everybody needs guard towers with dudes everyone, with arrows. Everyone. And everyone needs to invest in getting a troll that knows some damn riddles. And yeah, they need to be good at riddles. Yes. Because you can get a troll that's you not get, so great. Right. And we need a troll that is spot on, ready to go. If you get the wrong troll, they're going to be way more concerned with how blue their hair is and way less concerned about making sure people pass the riddles. See, this is in. interesting. You envision the trolls like the troll dolls. Yes. I envision like old school fairy tale, gnarly ass motherfucker that's what trolls. I, no, that's the okay. type of troll I say would actually be a guard. Yes, I'm exactly. afraid if you conjure up the lifeguard troll, yes, y- he's not, not doing anything. No, no, no. He's going to be all like, knock, knock. <laughs> yeah. No. And my trolls. Yeah, and they're going to be like, who's there? And he's like, you, yes. you're in. No, no, no. My trolls are going to give you some give puzzlers. You some okay. They're going to give you some logic puzzles. Mm-hmm. They're, Ooh. you know, yeah. yeah. So the people that I like, they're mm-hmm. going to be able to solve that. And yes. then they'll be like, I'm in. Okay. I'm in. Okay. I'm done. I got I'm past in. the guard. Yeah. yeah. Got past the troll. Mm-hmm. And then the second troll. <laughs> and then the third And then, yeah, there's someone, at, there's a safety troll who's saying, what's the secret password? So you have to know the secret password. So we have to know each other fairly well yes. at that point. Yes. And that all then. makes sense. See? It makes yes. sense. So guarded isn't a bad thing. No. No. And I say, you know, there was a time when we were talking about walls, you and I, mm-hmm. and we were saying like, hey, walls are great too. And you were like, you can decorate that wall. I can decorate my guard towers. Yes. I can decorate the walls around me. Yes. You can even make a troll wear a uniform if you I want. I could. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, he's... That's going to be a badass uniform. He's going to wear like a punk, like, or maybe like an all black goth suit kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. My trolls are going to be awesome. I like that. Yeah. I think that that works great. Mm-hmm. 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 Then maybe you should just have those little lifeguard trolls like floating in the moat, <laughs> just face down. Like, don't even try. Don't even try it. This is not that kind of this moat, is a, sir. This is not what you are approaching. No. You go back, get serious and come back because otherwise you're face down in my moat. Ooh, and I like maybe like the trolls like give you tests too. Like if it's some dude that, uh, you know, rolls up in an ill-fitting suit at a sports car yeah. and like the troll is like giving a riddle that the guy thinks he can solve uh-huh. and then he's like, ha ha ha, no. And then the guy ends up in the moat with in the, the lifeguard moat. trolls. Yeah. yeah. Or then the troll could suss out and say, Oh shoot! He's wearing an ill-fitting yeah. suit and has the the nice car because uh-huh. on the way here he got in a car accident. Yes, he lost. <laughs> he ran his over clothes. an animal. Yeah. and oh. yeah, <laughs> I was gonna have him be good in this scenario. Like there was a good oh, reason. He was bad in my okay, in my okay, scenario. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, please. Either go on way, with yours. the troll yeah. could figure it out. Is what I'm saying. 
You got a safeguard. My trolls are smart. Yeah. They are very smart. Yeah. 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 He just like heard you had trolls. He's like, I'm going to wear a suit, but I haven't worn a suit for years. Oh. But this seems like the appropriate okay. amount of okay. respect. Okay. That makes more sense. So yeah, he yeah, put yeah. that on. Yeah. And then he was supposed to, he went out to start his car. It wouldn't start. Uh-huh. And then he was like, oh no, I have to take it to the shop. And they're like, this is the only loner we have. And he didn't want to be late because he thought that was a bad impression. And then he gets there and he's like, oh my God, I look like an idiot in an ill-fitting suit in a race car. I'm never getting in. Wow. See, I went the other direction, yeah. which is why I am guarded. Yeah. Where he was like, ooh, I'm looking good in my hot sports car. Yeah. And then he hit several animals on the way and he did not stop. Yeah. At any no. of them. Then he should be in the mud. And then he came in and he was like, come on, look yeah. at me. Who cares about squirrels? I will give you $50 yeah, to let troll. me in. Yeah. And, and the, the troll's, troll's like, like, no, no, no. Mm, first of all, I only take gold bars. <laughs> and second of all, second of all, you already failed. Yeah. Those were fake animatronic animals that you right. ran they were over. Tests. Yeah, they were, they were tests. tests. And you failed. Failed. Man. I'm feeling very good about being guarded right now. You know what you could throw in hmm. as a really interesting twist hmm. I was just thinking of? Is at the end of Willy Wonka. Yeah. yeah when he yeah. goes into Willy Wonka's office and he's like, what about the spots on the ceiling? Yeah. And the everlapping God stoppers. And he gets really mad. And you're yes. like, this guy's nuts. Yeah. That's who you need right after the Oh, <gasps> You're right. And it's like a test. It is a test. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they can hang in and realize what's happening. Mm-hmm. And moral of the story, you went through all of this to get to me. So you yeah. know what we're talking yeah. about. You went through all those steps. You met the trolls. The you troll met the Willy and Wonka. I are friends. <laughs> and so all of this, yes. you're speaking from experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. good security system that I have. It's what everyone should have. Yes. No. Yes. It's the exact right amount of security. I mean, this is another thing we can offer in our relationship services. I think it's like should. made to order guard security walls systems. and tours. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We can offer you a package of two trolls and a Willy Wonka. <laughs> We can offer you a package of three trolls yeah. and a Wicked Witch. Oh, yeah. We can offer you a moat of dead trolls uh-huh. as a d- diversion, plus two riddle trolls. Yes. Plus <laughs> a logic puzzle troll. <laughs> and then it's extra a la carte for the animatronic animals. Yeah, yeah. The then we can in. add yeah. in various tests. Various yeah, yeah, we've uh-huh. got a lot of things at our disposal. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Man. I did not know that my natural like trauma responses would lend to a new business. Look at that. Or a new Sims game. Yeah. We could try it out either way. We could. <laughs> so yeah, good to be guarded. Yeah. There it is. Yep. So should we get into our picks? I think so. All right. So as a reminder, our theme is about finding out someone isn't who they pretended to be. Yes. In some in some various ways. Yes. Yes. So my first pick is a novel called Chouette. By Claire Oshetsky. Okay. And it came out 2021. I feel like I should spell that first name because yeah. I said it weird. It's C-H-O-U-E-T-T-E. Chouette? Chouette? I was trusting you, but okay. yeah. It's, I, I was... felt very weird as soon as I said it, so I felt like I, I needed it. to back it up. Yeah. Okay. I can see why you felt weird. It's a good pronunciation, <laughs> I think. So Tiny is a woman that she uh, that she's found out she's pregnant. Okay. And her husband is pumped. Oh. But Tiny warns him. This baby isn't going to be like you because she's had a dalliance with an owl and her baby's going to be an owl baby. Oh, my gosh. I read something about this book. Yes. Uh-huh. So husband, owl baby. Owl baby. She's going <laughs> to be an owl baby. OK. So the husband, he chalks it up to women's hysteria and pregnancy brain. Right. Like owl baby. OK. <laughs> Great. So then Chouette is born uh-huh. and she is indeed an owl baby. And Tiny works so hard to be a good mother to this baby who doesn't quite fit the rules, right? Right. Like she doesn't grow up like babies grow. She doesn't develop like babies should. She's not hitting those milestones (laughs) that you should be hitting. Right. She's also very violent and pretty feral. Okay. Just in general. Yeah. Yeah. Owl baby. Yes. And she wants to hunt and kill things because she's an owl baby. Okay. But Tiny promises her baby and herself that she's going to let her baby be herself. She's yeah. going to let Chouette be the best owl baby she can be. Okay. Meanwhile, husband is mortified. He will not believe that this is their child because, spoiler, it was not his child. Right. As she told you from the very beginning. She was up front. Yeah. yeah. And he will not acknowledge his daughter. He like he just completely puts her aside, won't bring her to family functions, any oh. of that kind of stuff. Until one day he reads something or he hears something about a way to fix incalcitrant kids. Mm. Okay. And damn it, he's going to find a cure for his weird daughter. 
So they start going to more and more suspect doctors, insisting they can fix all the weird kids with their tonics and their solutions. And Tiny must ultimately decide, like, is she going to protect her daughter the way that she is? Or is she going to bow to what society demands of kids and of girls? Double things there. This is such a strange and wonderful book. It's totally riveting. It's wonderful. At one point, you know, uh, Tiny is taking her daughter out for like walks at night, which includes hunting, you know, nighttime animals. Like it's just she's a good mom. She's trying to help her kid out. Yes. And so I chose it for this theme because especially around the husband, Mm -hmm. because Tiny married her man because of certain reasons. Right. Mm -hmm. She loves him for all these different reasons. But then a challenge emerges in this form of this daughter, this kid they didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And suddenly he becomes someone different. He becomes someone for whom love is conditional and, Mm -hmm. you know, specific Mm -hmm. rules, specific ways that his family has to behave. Mm -hmm. So it becomes decision time for Tiny, like, who she's gonna? Who is she gonna prioritize? Who is she gonna love? Mm-hmm. And who is she gonna protect? Mm-hmm. And yeah, if he had just been who he said he was gonna be, that might have changed. But, but he wants his daughter to look a certain way, conform. behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. Wow, sounds and amazing. It's re- yeah, it's really really clever. It's written so beautifully. Like there's that plot, of course, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. I've, I fit it with you know a number of books that we've been reading about just the strangeness of motherhood, the like unexpected nature of it, the like feralness of it. Mm-hmm. It it's really lovely. I, I liked it a lot. I it sounds and really very cool. weird. Yeah, we love a good weird boxes. Yes. yes, I like that. Yes. Well, I brought kind of a downer oh. for a fiction pick. Okay. It's called Notes on an Execution oh. by Danya Kukovka. And this came out in January of 2022. Okay. So Ansel Packer is on death row. And we meet him on his execution day. Mm. So he's counting down the hours. And we basically travel with him through those hours and his backstory and all the history that led to this day is told through the eyes of the women in his life. So we hear from his mother, his wife, his friends in the foster home, and the detective that was determined to bring him to justice since the moment he put a dead fox in her bed. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. So we're kind of following this guy who's getting ready to die, but then we're going back and seeing where his life started and how he got to this point. So you know I'm a sucker for multiple viewpoints. Yes. This does not disappoint. It's so fascinating. So some of the style decisions she made are just incredible, especially in the context of the story. Um and I, there are so many twists and turns. It's hard for me to tell you much more than mm-hmm, that because I don't want to mm-hmm. give anything away. But there, she does all those to really reveal the characters, including the women and Ansel. And in a way that you can kind of almost be tricked and then proven wrong or proven right. Mm-hmm. So it reminded me of this theme a lot because you're sort of torn a lot between who Ansel is, between what these women's motivation really is. And who's the real person? And can that person be good and bad? Can that person, do we have to label someone as all one or Mm. all the other? Are there chances for people that have done wrong to write that and do something different? It's so well written. It's so propulsive. I just like flew through it because I had to know. And each chapter is a different perspective. So you like keep wanting to get back to the other stories and you keep wanting to see what Ansel's up to on, you know, hour four. And it is wonderful. Uh, it is, I would say it's, it's dark and there's some kind of, um, gruesome parts, but not like gory, not like that. Just, you know, they're describing some things that have happened. Fascinating. So good. Highly recommend. Wow. Mm -hmm. Good on the detective to follow through because Mm -hmm. when someone puts a dead animal Mm -hmm. in your bed. And she was a child when that happened. Oh, That is a that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. That is the reddest of red flags. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is when you need to institute your guard tower mm-hmm. and bring your trolls in because mm-hmm. that is fucked up. Yeah, it's not right. No, no, it's definitely not right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is you know after figuring out that he was killing other animals. There's so, a reason mm-hmm. that we say violence starts with animals. Animals, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good thing we have our animatronic animals, so no animals get hurt right. no in the process an- of our. Will be injured yeah. in the process. No, no not no. a one. Not a one. And it got a lot of buzz. It was on a lot of end of the year lists oh, for okay. last year as one of the best like mystery thriller, Ooh, cool. you know, that type of thing. And yeah. it deserves all of it. It was truly and really well written. There's some really insightful stuff in there that kind of makes you think. And I, yeah, loved hmm. it. Excellent. So for nonfiction, mm-hmm. got a doozy. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're already laughing. It's called The Origin of Satan. <laughs> How Christians demonized Jews, pagans, and heretics from Elaine Pagels. This came out in 1995. You've been talking. About I mentioned this. That I was reading this to you because, and I'm not laughing because it's funny. No, but <laughs> it's not a laugh riot kind yeah. of book. It's just, you know, maybe you wouldn't have expected that I would bring this kind of book no, to no. broads and books. Uh-huh. And when I say you, I mean the general you. The, the general the you. The listeners, yeah. Yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like this was this was spot on yes. with their theme. Yes. So, okay. So this is this woman that wrote this. She's an academic. And mm-hmm. she was very well known for her particular work in Gospels. Okay. okay. So this is combining history with a close reading of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And the author is looking at what's going on at the time each Gospel was written and how civil wars at the time and infighting and anti-Jewish sentiment is influencing each author. Mm-hmm. So it starts from a very grounded place like uh, Matthew, the first Gospel, right? It's not written too super long after Jesus's death. And this gospel is all about presenting this new leader to the world, you know, and it's it's more of a gospel of love than mm-hmm. anything else. Then each one gets a little further out in time, mm-hmm. and each one is writing in more and more particular and troubled times. And as Christianity is spreading, there's more infighting on what beliefs should be, on what like their specific doctrine mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. until by the time you get to John, which is the last of the four Gospels, it's a very different story. So you see by that point, the Gospels are getting a little more mystical. Mm -hmm. They're a little more definitive on saying like, he was the actual son of God Mm -hmm. and Mary was indeed a virgin and Mm -hmm. all of the things that now we come to, you know, we've just accepted as part of the lore, um, that kind of came out over time. And then, you know, by that point, we're saying that Jesus was a divine figure that came to the world to save us from this immense war that's mm-hmm. going on around us, but also in the heavens and hell. Like mm-hmm. it's getting really, really mystical. Before the gospels were written, the word Satan simply meant a particular kind of figure in Jewish societies and leadership, almost a trickster kind of figure. Okay. Someone that was sent in to kind of mess, mess things up, up, right? Mischievous. Mischievous, yes. Um, but over the time of the gospels writing, the Satan, lowercase Satan, becomes Satan, uppercase, uppercase Satan, Satan, the Lord of the underworld, this fallen angel. Like they keep like adding things to who this Lord is. Lord of the underworld. <laughs> and he's Lucifer that fell down from heaven. Yeah. And he's someone who's trying to bring us all to hell and basically fuck with Jesus. Yeah. That idea didn't exist before the Gospels were written. Mm -hmm. And then it suddenly became canon over this time of writing these Gospels. So it's fascinating. And along the way, this new, like, super strict sect of Christians are trying to distance themselves from the greater Jewish group. Mm. And the story of who kills Jesus gets more and more uh, violent Mm -hmm. and anti-Semitic till by the time we get John, it's just all the Jews are at fault yeah which is then created 2000 years of anti-semitism yeah plus there's a lot in this book about the decisions to include these four gospels in the bible and the decisions to leave out other gospels that had very different messages and what would that have been like you know how would christianity have been different over the past 2000 years so it's a fascinating look at how this came to be how we came up with this story it's also for me you know obviously i'm an atheist it's it's very like disheartening to think okay so all these decisions made resulted in so many people being killed and hurt and terrorized and traumatized because of this (laughs) these beliefs that then became Mm -hmm. canon that were just randomly decided by Mm -hmm. these folks back then Mm -hmm. so i I chose it for this theme because satan isn't who we thought he was he was did just, anyone a- bother to ask him why he left heaven? <laughs> I mean, if you believe that story, right. like what happened? Because right. supposedly heaven's everything you want. Yes. And then he was just like, nah. Yeah. He was like, nope. 
I feel like I want to go mess with some people. Yeah. I want to go out in the desert and tempt someone tempt for someone. 40 days. Yeah. I want to live in a place that's just unbearably hot. Yeah. And then it's interesting. I've been, uh, you know, some of the decisions here then became integral in later on, like witch hunts and witchcraft, mm-hmm. you know, persecution, mm-hmm. because they're saying then that this figure of Satan is coming around and like seducing women to, right. uh, you know, and of course, women are at fault because they're so easily seducible. And, you know. They're just waiting for Satan. They're just waiting for Satan. Sat- they are. L- yep. I was going to say Satan. <laughs> They're letting Satan inhabit them. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's not who we thought he was. He's not. He was just a random figure mm-hmm. that someone decided. No, nope, let's give him an uppercase S. I like to think of Satan as Will Ferrell in yes. the Garth Brooks sketch. Yes, that's my Satan. Uh huh. And we have gone on record before about Satan and overalls. And little hooves. Little hooves feet. Little hooves. I'm still about it. See? I wouldn't mind even if Satan was like the size of Yoda and you had yeah. to like carry him around when <gasps> you were- tiny Satan. Yeah, and he's like, come on, we gotta go do he work. He kind of looks like the the gremlins. Yes. He looks like the gremlins. Mm-hmm. 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 And they're cute until you put water on them. Right. Satan doesn't like water. No, probably not. Probably Puts out not. the fire. Yeah. He worked a long time to get that blazing. <laughs> Tending the fire is not easy. It is not easy. It takes patience he and determination. He a fire out in the wilderness. Can you do that? Can nope. you start a fire from nothing? Nope. Satan can, but it took a long time. It took a long time. It took a long, took a long time. time. <laughs> so yeah, I thought I would just bring some Ooh. interesting, uh, I really weird Christianity. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating because, you know, I, I grew up going to church every once in a while. So I knew enough, obviously, mm-hmm. of the Bible. And at one point, when my family decided we were going to go to church, it was like, well, I better read the Bible. I better read it. That's so ha- I that understand tracks. it. That sounds so like a tiny So I understand what Amy. we're supposedly uh-huh. believing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So read it. So I, un- you know, I remembered all of this, but it was just fascinating. To me, the story of history is always fascinating on what stories are left out mm-hmm. or how we come to the stories that we tell. Yeah, that's and a who's good point. telling those stories. And this is such a fascinating look at that know, whole deal. Two thousand years of history. Yeah. There it's not it what is. we thought it was. It's not. It just isn't. No. And at first Jesus was just a dude. He was just he a carpenter. Was just a dude. And then he became the heavens hero fighting capital S Satan. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I need to read that. Uh, well, for my nonfiction, I brought a memoir. Mm. It's called Spare by Prince Harry. Oh, Prince Harry. Harry. Which I realized he doesn't have a last name. Prince Harry. <sighs> I think it's like of Wales or it was of right, Wales, was Wales until. Yeah. What or was he Duke The of Duke of Cambridge? Sussex. 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 Su- the- so is it Harry Sussex? No, I tried to look it up and like there's no, so there's, on the book it says Prince Harry. So he just has, wow. He doesn't really have a last Prince name. Harry. Isn't okay. that weird? So is that what he signs things, Prince Harry? I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just puts it all in big block letters. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> he writes it like Harold in the yes. purple crayon. Yes. <laughs> Everything's just a big. All right, I like that. I like that. I hope so. Just to differentiate from other Harrys. Yeah. Might, yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, because we own a business, <laughs> we get checks sometimes from people that are written in like just odd things to write a check in, oh. like bright blue marker. Oh. oh, like Crayola marker. Oh, yeah. You're like, what? That was the only item you could find to write that check. Huh. That doesn't seem like the right utensil for, uh, you know, business correspondence. It's not. No, it's not. No, mm. no. It's not. Anyway. Anyway. I mean, do I need to tell you what this book's about? I don't know it's if I Prince do. Harry. It's about Prince Harry. It's a memoir. It's told through his view and experiences of growing up in the royal family and basically leads you, all places lead to Meghan Markle, as mm-hmm, we know, mm-hmm. and how it all came crashing down. And basically just because he didn't want to toe the party line mm-hmm. anymore. But I loved it because there's some great stories and insight into his childhood, but the way he deconstructs the media stories about himself personally, mm-hmm. starting at a very young age, is really something interesting, I think, for the reader. Because you st- it starts very early in the book of him explaining how the media in Britain operates and how he could see a pattern starting very young. And that really all lays the groundwork for him speaking out now and our understanding of what's happening now. Mm. 
Uh, very fascinating. I think it's an interesting, you kind of get to see that rise into him being the family scapegoat and him knowing that he was going to be and accepting it until it affected his his personal family until he and Megan had a child and he realized like this is the same thing is going to happen mm-hmm. and like I can't allow that a really really large theme in this book and it's it's primarily why I picked it for this theme is that he has come to the realization that his family is more more loyal to the crown yeah. than to each other and while he understands that on some level because they're sort of raised to be that way the mm-hmm. crown comes before everything else he is also realizing that that means even in in detrimental times or mm-hmm. even in terrible times and that's something really hard for him to reconcile with and he's torn between that understanding and love for his family and then that deep deep betrayal and feeling as though they don't really actually care about him they only care about the image mm. so there's this very deeply tragic but universal theme of family struggle and identity within a family how do you be yourself but also still fit in and still you know go along as you as you probably heard in the media or as you can tell by the title spare the day he was born, his dad said to his mom in the hospital, I couldn't be happier. You gave me an heir and a spare. And they called him the spare. Um, and That's... then according to Harry's own book, he then left and went to visit his girlfriend. So you take that with what you will. <laughs> so good job, Charles. Excellent parenting. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting time to read it. It's There's a lot of... In- interesting stories from early on, but also just watching how the media works differently and trying to fight that is, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a fascinating story, no matter how you feel. Personally, what I find the most interesting after reading it is watching the British media go after him. Oh. It's like they didn't bother to read the book because yeah. he basically outlines what all of their steps are when they're trying to take someone down and they just keep they doing follow them. Yeah. They're just doing it over and over and over again. And you're like, did you just not read that? Did you just look up in the index and just read the parts about you? Oh or what gosh. did you do? Yeah. It's something else. What, so. uh, you know, obviously this came out a little after like the Netflix series. Yes. That focuses on him mm-hmm. and Megan. How would you compare the two or do you think they go well together? They do go well okay. together. And I, I watched the Netflix series before I read this because mm-hmm. this just came out a couple weeks ago. Um, I think the Netflix series does a good job of really helping you see as a couple what they were mm-hmm. feeling. And this book is really from his perspective. He never puts a word in Megan's mouth. Okay. She's obviously in it, but just from his perspective. There's never any like, Megan felt this way, Megan was doing this. It's just this is my viewpoint of what happened. And that's a, it, in a way very different from the Netflix in that we can see that this was a lifetime of things for mm-hmm. him. This wasn't a one-time situation. Mm-hmm. And knowing what happened to his mother, expecting him to be okay with watching the same thing happen to his family is like absurd when mm. you think about it. But so it's different things. I mean, some of the stories overlap, but it, it's still different. Mm. And I think actually reading the book kind of clarified a few moments in the documentary. Okay. So does the book um, or was it already like set? Does it address Queen Elizabeth's death? Or no, was it, okay. it was already yeah, ready was done, to be but, done. Yeah. It, um, so no, it, it addresses Prince uh, or her Phillips. husband, Philip. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, a little bit, but not. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine after reading it, we might anticipate how that went down the funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so interesting too, because now there's all this buzz about what's going to happen with the coronation for yeah. King Charles. And they're saying that Meghan and Harry are not going to be on the royal platform with everyone else. And they are sure to include in every article, they'll be seated with Prince Andrew because he's also not a working member of the royal family due to the sex <sighs> scandal. I feel like we need, you know, like a, a, something around Prince Andrew so that he doesn't infect anyone with his disgustingness. Well, yeah. And I'm like, why do you always have to mention, like, yeah. it's two very different things. very, very different. different. Yeah. Andrew was in sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Prince mm-hmm. Harry just wanted to protect his family. Yes. Yes. Very different. Yeah. He's protecting women. Andrew is hurting women, mm-hmm. actively hurting. And he's very open in the book about things that he didn't understand because he's, 
he's the first one to tell you in the group. I, I mean, I was sheltered. Like yeah, I don't, yeah. I didn't always understand the impact of our history. I didn't always sure. understand, you know, how it was for other people. And he said, he, he credits Megan with a lot of that, yeah. that, you know, he learned a lot through her, but also just from really trying to do some world travels, do some different things. There's been a lot of talk about his military career because that's covered in the book. And people were say like, it's so interesting to see what the media pulls out after you yeah. read the whole book. Because okay. then there was this whole thing about him killing like 25 Afghan soldiers. And this was crazy. And they present it in a way that he's bragging about it. And, and he's not. I mean, th- he's very clear about what happened on the mission. But he's doing it in this very like kind of introspective way mm-hmm. of, of how he kind of got there. And it, it's all very fascinating. So... It's very hard. I think if you've heard anything in the media, but you're interested, do it. Because okay. yeah. you, they're not, it's a so out of context. So, and I'm not going to say that he's the best writer that I've ever read. Obviously, this isn't his first, you know, full time yeah. job, yeah. but it is very propulsive. And you can tell that it was written by him and it's very personal. And it's, this is his viewpoint and his story. Excellent. And I have a lot of respect for that. So, hmm. there's a reason it's, so requested at the Des Moines Public Library. Right. Seriously. Isn't there like an insane wait list yeah, for it? like years or something? Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. Months. I, you, crazy. you bought it. You bought it. I bought it. You got it in your that. hands and I then did. you handed it to me before we started recording. Yes. I did. Yeah. I, I wanted to read it. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you just got to splurge. <laughs> got to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, for pop culture, mm-hmm. I have a show that ran from 2013 to 2018. Mm. Uh, it was on FX. Now it's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. It's called The Americans. Mm. And it's got Carrie Russell uh-huh. and Matthew Reese. Did you ever see this show? No. Okay. Here's the brief overview of this. Two KGB spies live as Americans, have a family, and become friends with an FBI agent. Oh, no. In the 1980s. Oh, boy. Okay. I loved this show. Okay. And I've gone on record as being super into Russian stuff, especially yeah. like the Cold War era. And this starts in 1981. And Elizabeth and Philip, let me try that again. Elizabeth and Philip. Philip. They were paired together in the early 60s after their KGB training. And they were okay. sent to America to make a life. Okay. okay. We're going to send you there. You're going to pretend to be Americans. You're going to, you know, get jobs, do whatever you're going to do, have a family. And then you're going to, uh, you know, report back to us and uh, do a lot of missions. So now they have this suburban home outside D.C. They have a travel agency and they have a teenage son and daughter who have no idea about any of this. Oh, my. And in the first episode, an FBI agent moves across the street and he's charged with counter espionage. He's actually charged with hunting down this rumor of KGB spies on American soil. And he's just met them across the street. So... Elizabeth and Philip, they're on a day-to-day basis. They're getting secret messages from the KGB to follow like this federal agent and infiltrate this group and generally get dirt on the new Reagan administration. Okay. Because after a decade of sort of cooling off, tensions are on high alert. Like Reagan is coming in with hardcore anti-Soviet right. sentiment. Okay. Uh-huh. So KGB is on alert. Uh-huh. They're on alert. It's uh, it's um, There's a lot of stuff going down. And Elizabeth and Philip are the best. They've been doing this for many years now. But during that time, they've never had a real relationship. They've just been work partners as much as they're, you know, they had sex to have a family and they're doing the husband and wife thing and everything. They never really had a relationship, never loved each other, except in the first episode, something happens and they start seeing each other in a new light. And so they actually almost start dating while they're married and falling in love with each other while they're still engaging in covert operations and dealing with this whole life that they have together. Over the seasons, I think they're uh, six, five or six seasons, things get so twisty. The kids are getting older. They start asking a lot of questions and there's so much more. I love that we see spy stuff with like old school tech, right? Yeah. This is just radio transmissions and notepads for codes and phone banks and pay phones. And it's just, oh. it's old school. Yeah. That's what they had. And I love that we also see who gets swept up in this. There's a lot of innocents that are conned by the spies, including uh-huh. this one woman, Martha, who works in the FBI agent's office. And Philip starts a relationship with her in order to get the information there. And it's this fascinating thing that plays out over multiple seasons. Uh-huh. 
And ultimately, I love that the normal bad guy, the KGB, are kind of our heroes. Like, they're the people we're sort of rooting for, not right. to get caught. And yeah. To, you know, to we want their relationship to work. And we're kind of rooting against the American government. Even at the same time, we're also following that FBI agent and getting to like him as well. Oh, so amazing. It's so good. I chose it for this theme because Elizabeth and Philip are not who they appear to be yeah. to the world, but also to each other. And they're starting to get to know the real people that yeah. they are. And as we get into it, though, and we're meeting more characters, Americans and Russians alike, no one is who they appear to be. Everyone has a mask on, whether they're in the spy world, whether they're not. You never know who people really are when it comes down to it. And we all have this face that we project to the world to fit in, to do our jobs. And so it's, I think it's constantly asking, like, who's the real enemy? Or is there an enemy? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, these really, really interesting and tough questions that are played out over a long amount of time. And it's, it is good. It is intense. Okay. And yeah, it's it's good. Excellent. All right. I also want to say Carrie Russell's hair is a mm. whole other character. Like it's just gorgeous, beautiful. She's always got it swept over to the side in like an 80s fashion. Uh-huh. The clothes, I remember all the like it's just it's so like sense memory stuff. Ooh. It's so good. Okay, can't wait. I got to yeah. we got to watch that. Also, Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese uh have their own relationship as a result of this show. Oh, really? Yes, they are. I think they're married and they have one or two kids together now. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. Well, I'm in. Mm -hmm. Well, I am going to, for pop culture, bring you a four-part series on Netflix. And I have to shout out Maggie and Haley on this one. Because they told they are real people. This yes. is a real recommendation <laughs> from real people. That we had a real dinner where that they we recommended had real to dinner. us in a real recommendation. Real. All yes. of it real. Of I it cannot real. stress the realness of this situation. <laughs> and they said, you need to watch Inside Man. Okay. Which I had been skipping on Netflix because I thought it was the old movie. Oh, I think that's what I've been doing too. Yeah. And then I then they said, no, you got Inside Man oh, on I Netflix. Oh, I missed that whole part. Okay. So right. it's a four-part series on Netflix. It We we meet Professor Grief, who is played by Stanley Tucci, who Love also Stanley is Tucci. on death row mm. for killing his wife. And he readily admits his guilt and expresses understanding of why he is on death row and why he should probably die. Um, but in his previous life, he was a doctor of criminology. And he was this well-respected professor, and he has a very quick-working and unique brain when it comes to kind of seeing crimes or seeing why criminals react the way they do in certain situations. So he takes on high-profile cases while he's in jail through the, with the warden is encouraging this, like, to help solve cases. And he does this with the help of the guy that's in the cell next to him, who readily admits he killed 14 people, but he has a photographic memory oh. and quite the sense of humor. Okay. But he that that's the only way that Stanley Tucci's ter- character can take notes, because they're always handcuffed to the table when people are talking to them. So his memory allows him oh to recall everything that people say. Okay. So Stanley Tucci can ask him to say stuff back. So the warden brings in these crimes, but for uh, Professor Grief, they have to meet a certain criteria he has to feel as though there's moral worth moral worth to the case or he won't take it so we get to see some cases come in and then we see this journalist beth davenport comes in and essentially at first she seems to want to write an article about him but then we find out she has a friend named janice who is missing and she has just this weird feeling that she got this fuzzy photo from her And that was the last time anyone saw her. And it seemed to be a cry for help. But they're not like the best of friends where they know everything about. They kind of, they met each other under some circumstances and they're kind of really good acquaintances. But Beth just has this deep feeling that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so they end up chasing, uh, Janice's last known location to the local vicar's house. And the local vicar is played by David Tennant. Oh. It would love to. Yeah, he's amazing. In yes. This. And he she was there to give his son a math tutoring lesson. And then from there, you will just see where this whole thing dissolves. Mm. And there's no clear winners. There's no clear losers. I mean, it is such a weird, twisty story. Stanley Tucci has his, his character has his own story. And we're coming back to that sometimes. It's just 
so good. It's four parts. You're going to want more. The first thing you're going to do is Google and say, is there a season two? And there's like no clear answer about that yet. And it is, I don't, so interesting. And there's so many layers here of people believing themselves to be something Mm -hmm. that they aren't really believing themselves to be better than they actually turn out to be or, or more able to make better decisions. There's also, Oh, people truly deceiving people, you know, I, I, and acting as though there's something and then everybody finding out that that's not the way that it is. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, you will fly through this. Excellent. It is a delight. I had it on my list because of the very real recommendation from the the very very real Haley and Maggie and the dinner that we had. Mm -hmm. Yes. I just hadn't watched it yet. Well, okay. It is so, you're going to love it. I really like that idea too of like, Sometimes we don't even know ourselves, like we're not who we think we mm-hmm. are. And that's and a very then? big theme yeah. yeah, throughout this. And especially centering around the Vickers character. Uh-huh. It is top to bottom fascinating. Mm. So good. You're, it's so up your alley, I can't even express okay. it. Yeah, you're going to love it. Okay. And Stanley Tucci's phenomenal love, in it. Gotta love Stanley Tucci. Yeah, yeah it is something else. Although it, it'll take, I mean, because... You know, right now he's kind of known for his like Instagram uh, bartending. Yes, and so I, it, it'll be a, a, a momentary shift. It is, right? Yeah. Like, oh, he's a he's a killer too. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. You get okay. there, and mm-hmm. and there it is a dark, dark, twisty show. But then there's also some really like humorous parts in it that just a like some dark comedy moments that needed to be there a little mm-hmm. bit that are so wonderful. It's a good one. Excellent. It's a good one. Okay. Well, we got some uh, some good recommendations. Some real recommendations. Some real recommendations. Uh-huh. From real from people. From real people. Oh. I suppose that's a red flag, right? People think that that's a red flag for us, <laughs> that we don't actually have friends, maybe. Because every time we talk about it, we do sound like a teenager who's insisting they have a girlfriend in Canada. I totally have a girlfriend, and she's a model, and she's in Canada. Canada. She's We've been very talking. real. Yeah. Very it's real. real. It's real. <laughs> it's real. I only have to pay to talk to her because that's how international that's calling how works. works. That's how it works. That's how it works. She's yeah. not getting that money. No. I'm just covering her phone bills. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Haley and Maggie are not like that. No. No. I don't have to cover any phone no. bills. They're just friends. <laughs> We have actual friends. We do. I don't Damn know it. it feels like we're very insecure about this or something. I know. Is that part of our guardedness? Maybe. Are we just, you know, we've so got do too we, many trolls out there? Like, and we assume other people are talking about fake friends. So then we yeah. assume they would think we are. Yeah. You know, they say that sometimes your psyche, like yes. you think other people are doing it and then it gets in your head and then that's you do true. it. Maybe that's true. Maybe everyone out there doesn't have the friend, definitely not the friends, no friends that they say that they do. Yeah, that could be. That could be. Oh, man. We do have friends, though. We do. And they are real. <laughs> so just saying. We're different. <laughs> Damn right. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what else is real? What? The fact that we release an episode every two weeks. It is real. It is real. Super real. This is a very real episode that we just did. Very real. It will indeed really be available soon. So soon. You'll be listening to it right now in real time. Yes. 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 And you'll be thinking, God, that's real. So real. So real. And then you'd be like, when can I find another real thing? Right. And you'd be like, two weeks. Two weeks. And then someone will say, well, what about in the meantime? And someone else will say, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. 
cause their despair. Cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.